Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth. It is Thursday, April 14th, 2022. We're going to discuss the news. Uh, some of the news might be a little belated. As you know, Seth and I, uh, we don't meet every week. So we're going to recap some things that we haven't had the opportunity to talk about. Namely, the slap heard around the world. Uh, quick recap for anyone who's been living under a rock, more so for context. Uh, as Chris Rock was presenting, I believe it was the best documentary at the Academy Awards, he made, uh, a dis at best, a distasteful joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. At worst, a targeted, a targeted cruel joke about a disability or a condition with her alopecia. Specifically, he, he joked that he, he was excited to see her in G.I. Jane too. Now, first of off, someone has made the great reference. That's not a good joke. Because the only people who knew that are people who like basically 40 and above or 35 and above like that. That wasn't a particularly funny joke. So, I, I, I mean, it was, an, I felt like I, I watched the, the, the Oscar ceremony. I felt like it was an unusual ceremony for a number of reasons. I was surprised by a lot of the winners. And then this whole, I mean, it took over, not only did it take over the show, but it kind of took over cultural I mean, everybody was talking about this moment the day after. I mean, my entire work, everyone in my work had opinions on this and stuff. Um, and in the moment, I, I don't know if I'm happy to say this, but I didn't get the joke. I've seen G.I. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but my wife was like, well, I didn't get you know, I don't think she quite understood the, the reference. And like, it was an obscure reference, honestly. I mean, that's a 20 plus year old movie. That wasn't even that I mean, successful. Yeah, like, it it was a good movie, but it was most famous for her shaving her head. Like, it, it, right. like, and so, so it was a, yeah. again, I think it was a reference not everyone picked up on. And then um, slowly afterwards, that you know, people were talking about this moment. Obviously, for, first of all, getting into like the, the meat and potatoes of this, if you watch the reactions of Will Smith and Jada, Willow does appear to be laughing at the joke. Whether it's kind of like fake laughing or, 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 I mean, it looks to be a genuine laugh to me. Like he thought it was a funny joke or, or he's just kind of playing along with Chris Rock at the time. But if you see Jada's reaction, not a happy, not a happy face on her. And she's clearly looking at Will. I don't know if she said that. They kind of cut away right after that. I don't know if she said anything to Will. But then this proceeds. Will kind of walks up onto the stage. I think Rock thought it, he was just being goofy and funny. And like, I don't think anyone's expecting the Fresh Prince to, to get violent. <laughs> All of a sudden, um, and then you know he slaps him. And when, when he first did it, I was like, that looked like a really well staged slap. I was like, there was no uh, like in my head, I did not think it was real. I thought it was kind of a staged event. But then suddenly they're screaming. That the sound drops um, on Twitter. This Australian view comes out where the sounds in there, and you can hear Will Smith saying, you know, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. He screams it in uh, again. Uh, Chris Rock's whole demeanor kind of changes, and he, he realizes, like, maybe I've made a mistake or gone too far. Um, and he just, I, you know, it felt like he just wanted to get off the stage as quickly as possible after that. Um, but again, I thought Will, I, I felt like Jada kind of signals something to Will to, to, to try to defend her a little bit. Then there's a whole moment afterwards, I don't know if you got into this, where during the commercials, Denzel kind of sidles up next to Will and Jada and he's like giving them both advice. He's trying to calm them down a little bit. Apparently he tells Will, you know, when you're at your highest, that's when the devil will come for you, which is like an, almost a Shakespearean quote from, from Washington. Yeah. 
I, I think it's paraphrased from something, but it's whether it's very good. It's it is a great piece of advice, and it felt feels very wise. Yes, yes. And then maybe I want to say twenty minutes after this incident is when Will wins Best Actor for King Richard and receives um, a standing ovation. And gives just one of the wilder um, Oscar acceptance speeches. He's crying. He says, "Love makes you do crazy things." It seemed like he was kind of apologizing, but he didn't quite say, "I apologize to Chris Rock" or anything like it, that. It wasn't so much an apology as it felt like he was blaming method acting. Oh, I played Richard for so long, and also apparently Richard was really upset about that because I guess he was bullied. But there was a really strong reaction from a lot of people, and the, like apparently he did not like him. Richard didn't like him being used as an excuse for Will to slap someone on screen. And ju just quick, uh, the, the, the only thing I'm going to say is I didn't actually watch it in real time. I, I didn't even see it that night. I heard about it the next day and then I like caught everything. And the reason for that is, as everyone knows, I'm, I'm not really, I'm one of the viewers the Oscars has lost. For me, I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to watch this knowing that Dune had more nominations than Spider-Man. And again, I've rewatched Spider-Man Far From Home. It's not the best movie, and I don't think it deserved to win. But I've also seen more than half of the nominees and best winners. It's better. Don't don't look up as bad. Nightmare Alley is bad. Like, there are bad movies that made... Dune is a good movie, but it's not better. Everything that people criticize about Infinity War can be applied to Dune. It's an incomplete story. It's like... It is like really expansive. There's characters whose arcs are literally introduced and like not completed because it's waiting for the next one. And so the idea that that warrants an nomination and yet Spider-Man can't get it, th this is actually, this is the reason I didn't look. Here are the top 10 domestic movies in 2021. Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Black Widow, Fast Nine, Eternals, No Time to Die, A Quiet Place 2, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, and Free Guy. The closest they get, Dune is 13th ranked on that list, and that's the closest they get. Obviously, the Academy Awards, it's not an awards show if you just give it to the highest grossing film, but the fact that they are so out of touch now with the actual movie-going audience, like, that's bad. Like, And they, I think they use this excuse as streamers. The, the beauty of the streamers now is they can, the Academy can promote and highlight these films and we don't know how many people saw it. Like I liked Coda, but I didn't see it until this. Like it, it just for me now more than ever. And the excuse of oh, comic book movies aren't real. Oh, and you have all this great streaming fare. It's giving them more avenues than ever to really just move away from mainstream audiences. And it's never been about mainstream audiences. But at this point, for me, there's such a divergence that I had no interest. But I got carried away. What I meant to say was the best thing that might have happened to that telecast was the slap because before the slap they were averaging nine million views which was down a million views from the year before and it's basically they had 50 million viewers like as of like i think five or six years ago so they're like the audience is cratering however after the slap it netted out to a 17 million even though it like ha occurred more than halfway in the show and the reason for that is the viewership tripled in the last hour or so after the slap it, it, i mean undoubtedly it just brought attention to the uh, event and like there were all these conspiracy theories about whether it was staged or not uh, afterwards and stuff but it was just a bizarre ha i mean again it's a it's one of the few things that is like a live recording and so strange things can happen i mean we all saw the la la land uh moonlight fiasco as well kind of a, i mean that's maybe the only thing i could kind of compare this moment to 
Um, I, you know, I think your point about the Oscars being out of touch with the mainstream viewers is uh, well documented. And like, I think at this point, you know, it's a subjective awards ceremony, but they've completely lost touch with like the mainstream movies, basically. And so, it, at this point, it's basically an awards ceremony. I mean, again, I do think there's some subjective um, awarding going on, and like, there, there's some. Um, you know, publicity grandstanding to get certain movies uh, awards. I actually thought Coda, well, I, I believe it's the first movie that was a streaming movie to win Best Picture. Um, it's also like the first movie that only had three nominations to win Best Picture. And so there were some, like I said, as somebody who's, I, I feel like I usually have my finger on the Richter scale of like the, these kind of awards things. I was surprised at, at how the awards played out. Um, it won the three awards it was nominated for, including Best Picture, and I just to not be to not even be nominated for best director or like best editing those kind of things are usually pretty good indicators and like it, it won best adapted screenplay and it won best supporting actor and just to win those two and then best picture i thought was strange but i do think it was the kind of thing where apple put a lot of marketing it was the kind of thing the last couple of weeks that came on really strong and usually it's with the more arty movie that comes on strong at the end like i did think for whatever reason power of the dog became the front runner earlier and then Coda was kind of the feel-good movie that came out later, and usually it's kind of the other way around. Like usually, I think there's like a feel-good movie, and then the arty movie kind of comes in and takes it out. Um, and so again, like I thought, and like I mean, even Will Smith winning Best Actor, you know, I thought Cumberbatch gave a better performance for whatever it's worth. It, I mean, maybe Will Smith was my second choice um, for, for Best Actor there, but that just shocked me too. And then having that on top of the slap, it was just a very surprise. I mean, again, I was. Surprise left and right, but you know there was also all this debate about like you know did Chris Rock cross the line? Is alopecia something you can't joke about? Then I saw all these men commenting, well, men get made fun of for balding all the time. Why isn't male pattern you know male pattern baldness that's not off limits, but female alopecia is not? And I was like, how did we get into this d- debate over like a bad Chris Rock joke with GI Jane? You know what I mean? It just so- went deeper and deeper. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I think that there's two people qualified to settle this. It's you and me. So I actually, so, uh, so quickly, as I said, I didn't watch it in real time and I heard about it. And so it was my, I, my wife told me about it and I like talked about it with her. And my first reaction to watching it was, uh, my thing was, I thought Phil, Phil, I almost called him Phil Smith. I've been watching too much Fresh, Fresh Prince. Will Smith. And he kind of, I think he did address this, like, uh, he takes a ton of shit, like uh, all, all celebrities do. And I think his first reaction to being made fun of is probably always a smile, because he's gracious, and he's really good at, with publicity. So my assuming was, him laughing at the big, initial joke doesn't, and then him changing his mind, to me, I understand. There also wouldn't be, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just me. There are plenty of times I think something's funny, or I have a reaction, and I look at my wife, and I kind of get like, a heat check, like realizing... And this is actually one of those situations. But uh, so for me, my first reaction was one, if uh, whether the whole argument of can you make fun of a woman's baldness, you can make fun of guys' baldness, but not a woman's baldness. Like, I'm saying this to the men shut the fuck up. Like, it's different. Like, like just shut up. If you're bald and you, and you care, like, guess what? You have a real personality problem. Like, there's, there are plenty of bald people who are happy and have been made fun of. Look at George Costanza. Look at Jerry Seinfeld. Look at Larry. Like, there's nothing 
as a man to prevent you, like you can be hairless and it's fine for a woman to be hairless. I can't think of many, and it's also just not bald. It's hairless. Like it's a different thing. So what I'll say is, but is, can you make fun of that condition? Let me put it this way. Uh, I think it's okay to be made fun of, but there's also, when you make fun of someone's wife, this is where I come down. I think you should be allowed to say whatever you want. At the same time, if you piss off the wrong person, there has to be some expectation that you're going to get punched in the mouth. Insulting a guy's wife in front of a room full of people and national television, I was sympathetic towards Will Smith because if I looked at my wife and she, I don't care if she said anything or gave a look, and then I realized this whole this whole group of people was laughing at my my wife. There's also some history between Rock and Jada going back to the 90s. Like he's been a punching bag of hers for a while, which I don't think anything he said prior to this was bad. At the time he hosted the, the, the Oscars, he made a joke about Jada. It was something like Jada said she was boycotting the Oscars, and Chris Rock was like, well, that would be like me boycotting Brianna's panties. You know, I was never invited. And that was like kind of – like that one I thought was funny because like, look, Jada wasn't invited to the Oscars, and I thought that was a, like a decent analogy. But again, like they do have a history for whatever reason. And so for me, this is where I this is where I initially landed. It was bad, but at the same time, I was sympathetic towards Will, like acting in a moment, trying to defend your your wife. However, oh, I'm sorry, you, you go. Well, so that's kind of where I like I, I I like I thought it was a tasteless joke. Um, I, I, you know, I understood Will's reaction. Uh, you know, if someone said something tasteless about my wife, and then a whole room of people's laughing at her, I, I, I would feel a way about it. I think if Will had to do it over, um, you know, he's known as such a jovial, well-spoken, you know, like you said, very um, well-mannered in public. And so to see him turn violent in that moment, I think was just, that, that's another part of it that's kind of shocking. But I think if he had to do it over, a well-worded social media post saying, that was a really insensitive joke. My wife has, uh, uh, you know, a hair condition and alopecia. She, you know, she's very sensitive. I, I think if he had gone that route and actually if he had controlled himself and made a, a well-worded social media post after he had won the Oscar, pointing out that Chris Rock's joke, you know, had kind of crossed the line, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't enjoy it. They didn't think it was in good fun or good taste. I think that would have played a lot better for him. And I think if Rock would have been in much more hotter water uh, about it, Whereas, like, because he went up and slapped him, it became this thing about, well, can you get violent about somebody over a tasteless joke like that? And it's like that; it kind of changed the conversation from what it should be. And so it's funny that's that's what that was my initial thought, and then after speaking with my wife, my wife had very different feelings. So she's not right. she's not a professional comedian, but she actually did study at Caroline's. She did stand up comedy for a while, okay. and so and her whole thing is, and beyond just being a comedian, she, her. Her take was there's just no room for that. Like there's no room for physical violence. Like, like unless like you can't initiate physical violence in an adult in the adult world. Like that's just like and for her it's really as simple as that. And I actually asked her and I was like, well, what if that was you? And it was fun. She was like, she was and it was hard. Like she was like, I don't know how I'd react, but like I wouldn't want you to hit someone. And then we had the conversation where it was like, I understand you might not want that, but there's also like at a certain level and like this we're getting into weird macho head games. I like, not that you're like, bring out your dueling pistol or slap someone with a glove, but at a certain point, it's just, it's schoolyard politics. You got to stand up for yourself in a certain point. And, and if for no other reason, like maybe your own mental health, like even if, even if like there's just, and now with all that. Being, I, I, I agree with you. Like I consider myself a pacifist. I don't, I don't think there's any, like anything that someone would say to me that I would start violence. I would, 
I'm not the type of person that wants to raise my hands in violence. I, I would much rather use words, even if they're harsh words. You know, if he had just done the, the screaming from his seat, like, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth, I think even that would have been taken differently. But the fact that he did get well there and get physical about it, I mean, it turned the conversation to a different thing. I, I agree. And I've also, I want to say, I've, I've come around. I've, I'm still really sympathetic towards Will Smith. I don't think he should be canceled. I, I do think he should be in other projects. However, with that being said, there's no, there's no room for it. And clearly there's a lot going on. And the other thing for me was like, if you had gone up and just slapped him and gone back to your seat, like, yeah, that's bad. But it's like, at least it's like, you could at least play it off as it was a bit. And it was like, like that was for like, it's bad. But then the screaming afterwards just showed like he was unhinged. Like there was like, and the other thing too, is like, I'm not going to go into it. I didn't, I wasn't even aware about like the red table conversation. The, but the more I read like Jada Pinkett Smith, like announcing she had an open relationship to the world. Yeah, that's another, I mean, I, I was aware of that, that they kind of had this open relationship and they both kind of dabbled with other people. And it's a weird, I mean, look, everybody's marriage is different. And so clearly they've had things go on. They've had ups and downs. I don't know if they're together for PR reasons. I don't know if they really do have a tight relationship, but that's a weird element too, where it's like, it, it's gotten into the public where both of them have had relationships with other people. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, I think Will, like, you know, Will definitely had a period, you know, I would say post nineties where people, I mean, he was the easy guy to take pot shots in. He took a lot of criticism. He was made fun of a lot. I mean, and he stood by Jada even through that whole period where she's kind of like reached, you know, she called it getting entangled with other people, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. I mean, I, I just think he's, and the other thing too is like the whole thing just overshadowed this night that could have been an amazing night for him. He, it's been well known he's been chasing an Oscar for years. I mean, I remember he got nominated for Ali. He was super disappointed when he lost for that movie. And so to see him win after his whole life and his whole career and like being the Fresh Prince, being the guy, um, you know, with with, uh, with Martin Lawrence, um, it's just like, it, you know, he's had a crazy career. And, like, there was a, a time when I would say he was at the top of the A-list. There's a time where he was, like, not that well-wanted in Hollywood. And now I think he's kind of come back to a point where he proved, I mean, it's a great, like, he does, it's a great performance. Again, I, I thought Cumberbatch was a little better. He gave a great performance, King Richard. I didn't think it was undeserved. I think it was a well-deserved Oscar. But to have the whole thing be overshadowed by this incident, it's a crazy, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it's, it. It's one of those things where... I, I I hear this phrase, I'm sure you hear it all the time. If the older I get, the truer it sounds, but it's that two things can be true at the same time. And I'm really sympathetic towards Will. And like I do can understand like a very human as someone who has really emotional reactions and usually doesn't have the right response in the moment. I totally understand that. I also haven't punched anyone in the face for uh, actually that's a, I haven't punched anyone in the face since I was 22 for a comment. Um, and that the last time I did it, I was too old to do it then. It, it is truly like a childish thing. Uh, at the same time, the more I think about it, I'm disgusted that Chris Rock was invited up onto that stage, was assaulted. And then not only did they fail to remove Will Smith, fail to discipline him, they then give him an award in 20 minutes and promote and celebrate him with a standing ovation. Like it just was like so from like... Also, for, for the Academy, like, let, let's call a spade a spade. Is there an organization that is more self-righteous or, like, proselytizing or condescending than the Academy? 
what, like every time someone gets up, they talk and I get it. Like you want to use your platform for good things, whether you're talking about Ukraine or you're talking about like any name, the environmental issues, um, LGBTQ, LGBTQ issues, minority issues, like those things deserve a platform and I totally get it. But there's also like a huge part of the country and it's growing that just looks at Hollywood for what they are, especially after all of the things that came out with Harvey Weinstein. Like they're not, these people are just making movies and a lot of them are businessmen who are sleazy. Like they're not these like yeah, arbiters of- There's this vibe of like rich people handing themselves awards so that they can get, the, you know, it, it's kind of a big jack off session. It is. And it's just, and it just like, it was just, I'm not, it, it had such a bad look. Like it was like, you guys literally act like you're the high and mighty and you're literally giving a standing ovation for someone who just- like attacked free speech, literally attacked free speech. What your entire organization is built on, what your entire industry is built on is the ability to say what you want to who you want, when you want. And you are celebrating someone smacking him. And I also, let's, no one's talked about this. Who in that room hasn't been made, made fun of and didn't want to punch the guy in the face? That was a room full of people who I think were, who also were sympathetic towards Will, but too much so. And it came off in such a, like, I'm not going to watch next year's. Like, I, I didn't watch this year's. I'm not going to watch next year's. I'm just like, like what I'm actually more interested in is like, I'm just interested in like, what, what is, where does Will Smith go after this? I know he's kind of resigned from the Academy. And so I think he got his Oscar and he's going to stop chasing that. But I do think, I don't know what, I mean, he kind of dabbled with the superhero movies for a moment there. And then he went more indie serious acting again. So I don't know where he's going next. I also, I wonder how Chris Rock rebounds from this. Like, does he bring this up in a stand-up special? Does he try to address this? So like, he, what is he going to do? So Chris Rock, uh, he sold more tickets the day for his con for his show the following day than he did the previous three months. He's basically sold out every show. He He's not talking about it yet. He's going to address it at a later time. Um, but his career is basically totally restarted. Uh, and, it, like, it's, like, seriously, like, his, his stand-up career is now, like, back on track. He's, like, a, like a big pull. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully – Again, I don't know how funny he is anymore. Like, I'm not just, I'm being genuine. Like, that joke wasn't funny. He wasn't great. And like, I mean, that joke is almost kind of emblematic of the fact that he's not quite as sharp as he once was, I think. Yeah, it's like, I think you've been out of the game a bit long. Okay, so talking about the Will Smith slap, um, or she's moving on from that. Seth, you mentioned something about his uh, DC projects or superhero projects. I have some feedback there. Um, so it was apparently it had already been um, shelved or delayed, but he was dead shot in the previous, he was dead shot in the first Suicide Squad. He was pseudo rebooted in the form of Idris Elba. And then they realized how terrible idea that was. So they, so he was still alive in that universe. Um, long story short, he had a project, a dead shot movie. He was still kind of being floated around as returning in that universe. And WB, after the slap, announced they're pausing all ongoing projects with Will Smith, which is the lead-in to the second news topic. Ezra Miller, the three-time loser, second-rate actor, and first-class asshole they've chosen to lead, not one, but two franchises, the Flash DCEU and his Credence Barebones, Dumbledore's mysterious brother in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them universe. For those who aren't aware, he was arrested about two weeks ago for his third, count it, third drunken, physical, violent altercation with a woman. 
you read that correctly. That is the third physical public assault he's had on a female. And this came, this is all coming about WB is WB has delayed the flash movie multiple times. They've had like six directors, a bunch of writers. And, and they, before this, they'd already pushed it back from 2022 to 2023. Um, and they've put up, they've announced a hold on all Ezra Miller projects. Like, all, I, I would probably just distance myself even further from him after these incidents. I mean, clearly that's a repeated behavior kind of thing. Um, also, like, I mean, I don't want to be like bad news bears here, but like, I don't think he's that talented um, from what I've seen of the guy. Like, I don't think he's like a superstar in the making. Like, you know, I feel like there's better younger actors out there. You could probably switch the role. Not many people would get upset about it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Sucks. I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's just like uh, violence against women doesn't make me happy in, in any respect. When what happens with athletes, I find it repugnant. And so, when it's a repeated offender, to me, it's just like, why are we giving like this guy should be out of chances? You know. That's how I feel. And I mean, I just wanted to like I need to call this out again, just because I think people. I've been very vocal about my criticism of WB management and their producers. And just to like highlight this for a minute, for those who aren't aware, the Fantastic Beasts franchise was originally the first, it was originally supposed to be three films. The second, the first film was so successful. They decided to expand it to five. The, the second film was a complete utter disaster in terms of like the drop off. It made the least amount of money that any of those films have ever made. The big thing though, is they chose Johnny Depp, to be the series lead. And this was during the allegations from Amber Heard about physical violence. Now they had a settlement and Johnny Depp was able to navigate that. However, someone got in his ear and convinced him to sue her for libel. And in that libel case, they came back, the court said that, no, she, it wasn't libel. You did abuse her. So instead of letting sleeping dogs lie, he brought it back to court where court said in black and white, no, you did abuse your wife. And so they had to move on. They had to recast them from Fantastic Beasts. So this is a franchise. I'm not blaming for the Will Smith thing, but it's just it's just on top of it. They got rid of they got rid of Johnny Depp because for violence against women. Already in this franchise, and now your second lead is also like it. Just again, I'm not. And some of it could be bad luck, but like to your point, Ezra Miller, show me the movie. Show me the box office smash he's been in. Show me. Like, I know he was in that What About Kevin movie, which, like, nobody saw and critics love. But, like, he's a dramatic – he is a dramatic indie actor. He's not Timothy Chalamet. He's not – like, he's just – he's not a lead. He's not a big draw. And he's becoming less of a draw. And, like, just to your point, why don't why not reboot it? You've had one film. He's – Flash – the Flash has been in one film. And this is, like, again, like, who's running this? Look over at your competition. Look how many recasts Marvel has done. If you overdo it, it's bad. But like, I don't see anyone crying about Edward Norton being recast by by uh, Ruffalo. I almost called him Bruce Buffalo by Mark Ruffalo. Um, but it just like, I, I, I not I don't mean to weaponize this. For whatever, I've heard two sides of the Johnny Depp story. For whatever reason, I'm not I'm not saying I don't agree with the court ruling, but I have heard a side where Amber Heard. That, that whole relationship just sounded like it was toxic and chaotic for both of them. Um, and, but I, I, again, I'm not an expert on that situation. I'm sure Johnny did some bad things, but I don't think Amber Heard was like a saint in that relationship either. 
Um, but the, with this, with the Ezra Miller thing, this, this is like, I don't really think there's two sides to this story. Like, this guy clearly has some issues that haven't been dealt with. And like we've said, I mean, he's not a big block. He's not an A-list actor by any means. I think he's easier, easily replaceable. I don't think he's like an uber-talented guy either. Like, I don't think it's like, he's never blown me away from what I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I think they need to just kind of like make, make, That's the thing. They, they, the problem is they cut the wrong people early too loose and they hold on. Like they're willing to walk away from Cavill, but they're bending over backwards to keep Ezra Miller. It just doesn't make sense. And and one last comment. And then uh, two quick things. And then we can move on to the movies. But first, I just was going to quickly note this. The Batman has been out for about a month now. Uh, it's, it's going to make, it's made about 750 million so far. It's probably going to reach 800 million. That's good. Not great. Like, let's just be honest. Like with every, you want to say COVID. Yeah, that's good. It's R rated though, right? I believe so. Um, actually, no, it's PG-13, I think. Uh, yeah. I would have, I, going in, when it came out, I probably would have expected. Well, let me put it this way. Even if it were R rated, it's making about, it's made less than either Deadpool film. Well, Batman. Again, I also think the like the length of it, I think, is having an effect as well on some of the box office. That's what I was gonna say. That that was my biggest takeaway was that this film was so good, it had so little competition, and the fact that it made less than Thor Ragnarok. And Thor Ragnarok's a good movie, but like this film, it, it made less. It, it's like in the Batman vs Superman era. This is a really well received Batman film that once again failed to break a billion dollars. Like. This, like this, and I'm not saying, I can't sit here and say it's as simple as cutting off 30 minutes, but let me put it this way. If I had a million dollars to bet and I could do that, I would say, I would, I would bet you a hundred million dollars that by cutting down that movie, you'd make a billion by making a two hour, a two and a half hour film. And just from my own experience, and I said this before for me to go to the film, get there in time for the trailers and then stay for the ending with their like little reveal and then get home, it's a four and a half to five hour experience. I could see two movies in that time. And so yeah. I saw it once in theaters and I'll watch it again on streaming. But where I'm going with this is like, again, WB, where is the producer to step in and say, I know you haven't seen the film yet, but like once you do, it, there's an easy way to cut out 20, 30 minutes. And like the fact that there wasn't someone sitting there, like, again, I don't understand what their goal is. Like they're trying to be, they're trying to thread both needles. They, they want to be commercially successful, and they really want to cater to the artists. And there's just not anyone in that room who has the vision to like understand that those things aren't mutually exclusive and that like, like they're just, they don't have the right people in there to, to get the concessions from the creators. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, where it's like, you need a producer in there that's like, we're not going to sacrifice anything critically if we shave 30 minutes here and make an extra couple hundred million. You know, it's like, I think that's a, that's a fair sacrifice to make. Um, but they, again, it's like they have movies like The Joker that did critically really well, and then they have other movies that are clearly are more commercial based. So I think you're right; they're trying to thread too many needles with this one and try to hit the critical and the commercial. And it's like at a certain point, you just can't have a, a superhero movie be three hours. I mean, even the the Chris Nolan movies aren't that long. I mean, even Endgame. Like, imagine how much Endgame would have made if it was 
two and a half hours instead of three. Like, and yeah, oh, it's perfect. But like, like I'm not saying they should have done that. To be three hours, you really need to earn it. Like it's, yeah, it, the, yeah, the, and it, to, to have, sit there for three hours and say this movie has a lot of fat, that's bad. It's, it, it's bad. It's just bad. All right, we're, we're running up against it. One last question for you. Aaron Judge turned down a seven-year, $230 million contract from the Yankees. Uh, first, do you blame him? Do you blame uh, anyone? I mean, uh, in fairness to Judge, I think there's been some contracts out there. Um, then Corey Seager got like a $300 million this past offseason, I think. And so there's a few contracts out there. I think he's at least as valuable or more valuable than some of those players that are in that $300 million mark. I think he said he wanted like 37 over eight and they were offering more like 31 ish or 32 ish over seven. And so I get, I mean, I get it from judges perspective. I, if I was the Yankees, I think I would have tried a little harder to lock him up. Maybe just pull up 35 over eight, you know, and see if you can just get it done before the season starts. But now it, it's definitely the situation where it feels like he's going to hit the open market at the end of this year. Maybe the Yankees pony it up. Um, Hopefully he has a good year, both for the Yankees and for himself. Um, but, I mean, I, at the same time, I do get it from the Yankees' perspective. It's like, Judge has had some injuries. I don't know that he's going to be a top-flight player for the next eight years. Uh, I think he's probably at least got a, a four- to five-year window where he's going to be at a, a really high level. And so, I mean, I can get why they're kind of more in that 32-ish over seven kind of range. Um, it doesn't sound like they're too far apart to me, though. So it's like, I, I would get it. My gut is that Judge knows he's got to prove his value this year, and I also know the Yankees will pay money if they see the value. So I kind of hope they come to an agreement, even though he's a, he is going to hit the free market at the end of this. That's kind of how I feel. I, I don't blame anyone. Uh, it's far be it from me to tell anyone what they deserve to make, especially in a especially in a free market. Like uh, we'll find out. Like that's how I feel. If Aaron, if Aaron Judge wants to bet on himself and gamble on himself, that's great. Uh, if I'm also really happy that the Yankees didn't sign him to the deal he wanted, uh, I think it's going to be a bad deal no matter what. I mean, people, I mean, people, I think really like let last year, like overshadow everything I've, I've been watching the last five years. He missed a lot of games in those he, last year. In the first year he played 150 games, but those intervening three years, he missed more than half or about half of those games. And the other thing too, like people talk about, Oh, like Jeter, he's like Jeter or Cano. He's not. Because those two guys won gold gloves, silver sluggers, and World Series before they became free agents. He hasn't, he's won a, I think he's won a gold glove, but he hasn't won anything for us. Like, and so, like, for me, I look at it. I, I agree with that. I do, I, I will say for Judge, like, I do think he has um, off the field star quality. Um, like, I think he's obviously a recognizable guy. And so I think that does count for something, regardless of the team that signs him. He, he's a star. If he's on your team, you're going to get more viewers. And so and that has an effect with the Yankees. Um, I, you know, I, I, personally, I thought he really did want to kind of walk in that lineage of, like, the Yankee captains and try to fill that role that Jeter kind of had. Uh, I also think he would walk if he was paid more money with another team that would kind of give that up. Uh, you know, and, like, again, like, he is a guy that's in your blood. So if somebody offers him a lot of money over a long period of time, that's, uh, that's going to mean something to him. And so, but... I would agree. I, I think a cachet goes further. It's one of those things where I think it's more valuable to the Yankees. And at the same time, like 
it works both ways where the Yankees are like, well, you're more value. Like you won't have the same value to other franchises. So why would we pay you like that? And at the same time judges like, but I do add that value to you. See, I don't blame anyone. I'm interested to see how it plays out. The way I look at it is it's not my money. So if he plays well and the Yankees will pay him, that's great. If he doesn't play, play well, we can get him for less or more likely if he doesn't play well, someone will give him a really bad contract. Like, I don't know the tigers or the angels. And Hey, if he wants to be the best played, the highest paid person, on the last place team like Robinson Cano, God bless you. Like, look at Robin. Look at look, this. Look at Robinson Cano. Is he happy with that contract? More importantly, are the Mets or the Mariners happy with that contract? Like, it's it's a bad contract. And I I agree. There's going to be a great window for Judge, but I'm sorry, I I will be shocked if he has two more full years being healthy. I think after that, like, and people are like, oh, those are fluke injuries. They're not. He hurt himself fielding and hitting. That's what you do in baseball. Like that's they're not fluke injuries. It's hard to read. Like I want to say, like because I'm a Yankee fan and I like him, I want to say he's gonna have you know a run of productive years. I don't know though. I mean, maybe it's easier for bigger guys to get hurt like that. Maybe it is just kind of a luck thing. It's hard with injuries. You never. What I would say, like right now, he seems healthy, and so I mean, again, it's just hard to predict someone's how somebody's body is going to uh, hold up over the next seven years. It's just like, you know, a guy like Jeter just seemed indestructible for the most part. He just played every day, year after year. He just never, you know, never seemed like he was going to, and like, even if he did get nicked up, he knew he still wanted to get on the field. And so part of me thinks I kind of calm these guys a little bit at times, but. I mean, they're, they're, I think you just, judging this more games in his five years than I'm pretty sure Jeter did in his first 10. Like, so like that, that's, okay. we, we can let it go. We'll, we'll talk about it as we come back to it. One last thing before, I just want to let you know, I saw the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once last night. Well, my brother saw this movie. He said he liked it. It was really good. Uh, I need to see it again. I need some time to let it sink in. Uh, it's definitely my favorite movie of 2022 so far. And it might, uh-huh. might be in like my, it's like, I think it's climbing up my like top 20 list. That's a, it's in theaters right now. It's in theaters now. It's funny though. It's in theaters. Um, I saw it and I thought, I'm glad it's in theaters. It probably should be on streaming. Uh, I had a bigger budget. I remember going in and like after seeing it, I was like, wow, that, that like, movie was really good. I wonder what the budget was. And it was 25 million, which isn't crazy, but like for a meta, like a, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's basically a multiverse. It's a multiverse story. And it's about like, uh, it's like an existential like crisis almost. I won't say anymore. It's really good. I highly recommend it to anyone. I'm going to try and do a mini soda on it after I have a little more time to digest. But highly recommend it. All right. That does it for the news. Seth, you want to say goodbye to your friends? 